Pitt has a new head coach. The white smoke has risen from the Cathedral of Learning. And Jeff Capel is the guy for the Pitt Panthers. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. We wanted to get a podcast quickly up for you guys to talk about this higher. And uh, timing didn't work out with Jim. So we've got our contributor from Cardiac Hill, J.D. Schroeder, who is joining us for this episode. We're going to be talking all about this hire. Uh, first of all, J.D., thank you for joining us. You've done this uh, previously. It's been a little while. Thank you for returning. No problem. I'm certainly a little bit happier than I was 24 hours ago. <laughs> I think all of us are. Uh, by all accounts, this is at minimum a good hire. Some are calling it a great hire. Um, and, and we'll talk all about it, but certainly based on what was happening for uh, yesterday and the previous, uh, couple days to that, when there was basically no information, no one knew what was happening with this pit coaching search. We were all sort of losing our minds. So I think we're all pretty happy, uh, that this is now, uh, that there's a resolution to this and that, uh, pit fans know who's going to be coaching the team for the foreseeable future. And it's Jeff Capel, the uh, top assistant coach for Duke. He is, for anyone who doesn't know, although Cardiac Hill has been all over it, so hopefully you know, uh, but for anyone that doesn't know, he's an assistant coach uh, from Duke. He uh, originally played at Duke, then he went off, got a head coaching job at VCU, uh, was good there for a few years, and then got hired at Oklahoma when he was like 31 or something, crazy young, and uh, was there for, he recruited Blake Griffin to Oklahoma. Uh, Blake Griffin was there for two years and, and, uh, Griffin's second year, they got to the elite eight. Then, uh, there was uh, a little bit of scandal at Oklahoma. One of the assistant coaches was caught up, uh, in, in receiving an improper benefit, I believe. And one player was, uh, deemed ineligible. So they had to vacate wins from one of the years. And then the last two years at Oklahoma were, were pretty bad. Uh, not going to sugarcoat it. They, they were pretty bad. They were two of the worst back-to-back years that Oklahoma basketball has had, or at least to that point. So uh, had two struggling years, and he was fired from Oklahoma. Then went back to uh, to his alma mater, to Duke, to be the assistant coach uh, for Mike Krzyzewski. He's been the number one guy there for a while. Uh, for most of the top players in the nation, he has been the lead recruiter. Uh, and, and I think the hope is that uh, he's he's improved, and you expect that he has, and has learned a lot under Coach K and being back at Duke. Because if this were straight from Oklahoma, this would be considered sort of comparable to the Kevin Stallings hire. You know, a guy who just sort of is is on his way out at a major school, and now it's sort of a retread. But I think because. He then went to Duke, was an assistant coach, learned a lot, was a great recruiter. That's what's getting really pe- uh, what's getting people fired up. So, so JD, what was your initial reaction when this happened? Because it all happened really quickly this morning. Uh, it's just a yesterday morning. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday night. This will post on uh, Wednesday morning. So Tuesday morning, there were reports that Mark Schmidt and Nate Oates were, who were two names rumored, they were both out and. Uh, there were that Pitt was zeroing in on another candidate. Many people believed it to be Jeff Shire, whose name was floated earlier, and then out of nowhere, uh, John Shire, and out of nowhere, it was Jeff Capel. So this all happened. What was your initial reaction when the news hit, because it was out of nowhere, and and then basically, what did you end up with? What's your current reaction? I, to be honest, I was kind of shocked. Um, 
it, it took me probably five or ten minutes before I kind of realized that somebody that we really hadn't talked about at all, um, you know, was going to be Pitt's next head coach. And also, my I, I kind of knew that, you know, Jeff Capel had been at Oklahoma, that he was there for the Blake Griffin years. And I knew there was some type of kind of recruiting controversy there. But since Pitt never really, you know, his name didn't come up, I didn't really do, a, you know, digging a whole lot. So at first I thought, well, you know, he's been Coach K's assistant. He's been their best recruiter. This, At least on that front, it's good. And then I kind of looked into the Oklahoma tenure a little bit more. And I feel like, you know, we all of us were kind of dreading the idea of John Shire getting the job despite, you know, with him being 30 years old, you know, no head coaching experience. But, um, you know, Jeff Capel, when he took the Oklahoma job, was 31. Um, you know, just a really, really young guy. And he obviously had, as you had mentioned, head coaching experience already. But that's a really young, you know, uh, age to take over a, a major conference program. Um, and not that Oklahoma's, you know, a blue blood in, in college basketball by any respects, but it's, you know, a well-funded, well-respected program. And so I, I kind of wonder if, you know, it, it caught up to him a little bit. He, you know, kind of was in over his head a little bit after Blake Griffin left and, you know, this, this scandal kind of started happening. The good thing is for Pitt is that in comparison to Sean Miller, you know, Jeff Capel, this was something that was investigated by the NCAA, and at least according to the NCAA, Jeff Capel wasn't implicated or involved. And, you know, that investigation closed, you know, quite a number of years ago. Whilst you've got a guy like Sean Miller, and I do see a lot of fans saying, well, why, if you're willing to take a shot on somebody like Jeff Capel, why wouldn't you look at Sean Miller? Well, Sean Miller's currently under investigation, and you know we have no idea really where that's going to go. And it's not just the NCAA; it's also the FBI, um, which kind of takes this from you know just a, a sports scandal to you know somebody can serve jail time, and one of his assistants may very well you know uh, serve jail time. So um, I think my initial reaction was, in terms of if Pitt couldn't get a sitting head coach or, you know, of either a major program or an, a young up and coming mid-major coach, I would say that next step would be get a really high level college assistant. I didn't think it would be Duke level college assistant. And also pro arguably, if not the top one in the top five, one of the, you know, top two college recruiters in the game. Um, you know, Jeff Capel has been responsible for, kind of a huge change in Duke's recruiting strategy. They didn't used to go for, you know, the ones and duns that uh, a Kentucky or a Kansas might go for. But, you know, since he's been there, he's helped get Jaleel Okafor, Harry Giles, um, obviously Marvin Bagley this year. They've got a current commit from, you know, Zion Williamson. Um, you know, just a lot of really high-level top five, you know, number one guys in the class type players that they didn't really get before, you know, Jeff Capel came. It is interesting when you go back and look at Duke recruiting historically and, and you know, before Capel got there, I mean, it, by, because by all means, he is sort of the guy that helped move them into that strategy. And whether or not that's best for coaching and for Coach K is is anyone's guess. And it's certainly not really going to be much of a case at Pitt. I mean, maybe you get one guy here or there who's going to be a one and done. But generally, it's not even going to be the same sort of strategy. But... I mean, when, when Duke won the national title in 2010, it was with guys like John Shire, who, I mean, I think a lot of people just 
because it's John Shire sort of think it's like the TJ McConnell, like white guy stereotype that he was great. He was really good out of high school. I mean, he was a, a, a four star recruit. I mean, there were a lot of good players, but not these one and done uh, kinds of guys. Uh, and so that that was pretty much Kentucky, like a little bit of Kansas, and and uh, Duke went in that direction. And it seems, again, recruiting wise, that it's worked out for them because in, instead of winning a title uh, with John Shire as your best player, it goes to Jaleel Okafor, who was like the number one guy out of high school. Um, and and now, as you've seen with with Marvin Bagley and such. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, I I think you said something interesting, which is if not. Uh, uh, one of the uh, a power five guy or or a young up and comer, then you'd want a top assistant and and Capel is as good of a top assistant as we could have imagined. Uh, so let's take a look at and we'll get back to Capel and and the the things we like or dislike about him. But with everything that goes into it and the other options that were on the table. Now, we know Hurley was off the table because he took the UConn job, and we know Sean Miller was apparently off the table. It looks like he wanted the job, but it just wasn't going to happen. Pitt just was not going to take the risk for a guy who's currently under investigation. Like you said, maybe nothing happens, but there's the risk that something happens with Sean Miller. Uh, There's no risk with that with Jeff Capel. So, taking Miller and taking Hurley out of it, there were... Some far-fetched options, maybe. Someone like Eric Musselman at Nevada, who a lot of people are impressed with. There was never any indication that he was interested in the job. There was also never indication that Pitt was interested in him. Uh, I would have been totally fine if Pitt had reached out to Musselman, tried to go all-in, offered him the Hurley contract for over $3 million a year, and he said, no, I want to wait for a Pac-12 job. By all accounts, that didn't happen. We haven't heard anything saying that Pitt went out for him. Maybe he wouldn't have accepted it. I would have liked to see that happen, but okay. Uh, outside of that, it seems like Nate Oates and Mark Schmidt were two of the names really talked about. Nate Oates, the head coach at Buffalo, but he wanted a lot of money, probably Dan Hurley money, uh, because he's comfortable waiting it out another year. He's got the, the players that beat Arizona in round one. A lot of them are coming back. He's got two four-star recruits coming. He can wait another year and then bolt for a bigger job. Mark Schmidt, Pitt fans did not want. Uh, and then out of the other couple of names, there were some other assistants. John Shire was thrown out there, like a Shrewsbury from the Boston Celtics. So of the names out there, where does Capel sort of rank, knowing that Pitt couldn't have had Hurley or Miller, but with the names that were remaining, how does he rank in, in terms of if you could have made a pick? Um, I'd say that I think in a, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about this all day. Initially, my answer was, you know, if you couldn't get Dan Hurley, Jeff Capel was by far the best option out of everything left. Um, only if he had only been an assistant at Duke and had never had any coaching head coaching experience, then he might fall below like a guy like a Nate Oates or, you know, an Eric Musselman. I think everybody was kind of agreed that while Schmidt is a good coach, it just wasn't going to be a good idea for Pitt to kind of take that that risk. And I, I know from talking to people that the administration definitely heard Pitt's fan, you know, Pitt fans kind of angst uh, at the idea. Um, so don't ever think that you know Pitt's completely oblivious. Uh, to what fans think, except for when Scott Barnes is athletic director. <laughs> as long as he's gone, then that someone at Pitt knows and cares. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as I th- as I think about it, I mean, um, I think 
this year was kind of odd in that there weren't a huge amount of big jobs open. And I think a guy like Dan Hurley was in such high demand because he was just a, a proven coach at, you know, a slightly lower level than, you know, a major conference job. But, you know, he had made the tournament two years and, you know, had done really well for himself. And there wasn't a huge amount of, you know, proven commodities like that. Um, you had, you know, Oates or a Musselman, but um, as you said, I think you put it well. Oates is he's he's in no rush to leave um his salary at, at buffalo isn't great it's only i think about six hundred thousand. so pitt could have you know tripled or quadrupled his salary to come here but um if you know he thinks that he can win another year and get an even bigger job then you know what hey more power to him um but yeah honestly the idea that you know pitt would be able to convince a, a duke assistant that granted he was only making about five hundred thousand dollars so any offer that pitt gave him would more than substantially increase his salary, but I think it's the idea that he still felt that this would be a good job for him because he wants to rebuild his image just as much as Pitt, you know, wants to. Um, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship in that regard, and that he kind of had to re- rehabilitate his image at Duke from this scandal because whether he was actively involved or not, he had that stink about him, you know, leaving from Oklahoma. He left Oklahoma in a bad spot. So he kind of re, you know, reinvigorated his image at Duke, and now he has a chance to prove himself from taking a program from the absolute bottom um, and seeing where he can go. And I think Pitt giving him a seven-year deal, I think, you know, Pitt fans were upset that we gave Kevin Stallings a six-year deal, and I think that's more because, you know, that fans didn't feel the ceiling was, you know, very high with Stallings and. He was going to inherit a pretty decent team at least, you know, the first year or so. But um, I think everybody is well aware that this is going to be a long-term project and Pitt was willing to give him that long-term deal to show him, you're our guy, you know, we're not going to pull, you know, the sheet out from under you, so to speak. Um, You're going to have time to kind of build this up. So I think it's... I think I'll stick with my original answer of if you couldn't get Dan Hurley, I think Jeff Cable is, you know, the best, you know, backup option. And it that's kind of the impression I'm getting, at least looking now at the timeline of how this coaching search kind of went. Very interesting. Uh, so I'm not as high on Cable as I think a lot of Pitt fans are. My initial reaction this morning, I had actually just woken up and my initial reaction actually wasn't all that good. I thought it was fine. Uh, I thought that he he would be solid. I, I thought it, I sort of felt as I did with Kevin Stallings after the Stallings press conference when we all sort of settled down. I'm like, okay, he'll be fine. He'll you know he'll he'll do the job. He'll he'll be okay. It just won't be great. So like that's sort of how I felt about Jeff Capel. As I looked deeper into his background and and learn more about him, I became more impressed. I'm still probably not as high on him as a lot of Pitt fans uh, and even members of the media, but I do really like the hire. He he shot up my board. I mean, granted, it once there's always sort of that bias of once the school that you love hires a coach, like all of a sudden you love him because you want to love him, you have to love him, like, you, you know, you, you, you're pulling for him, so... There is that, um, but uh, you know he he is very impressive. I still think after Hurley, I would have loved to see them go all in on Musselman. Uh, you know, see b- because he's 
not just experienced like Capel is in a, in a lot of ways, uh, but he's also turned a program around. Uh, Nevada was awful before he got there, and in a few years with transfers, things like that, he turned it around, and I think he could have uh, done that, and also just the style of play. But after that, after, you know, if, if Hurley's off the board, if you can't get Miller, and I think a lot of us are sort of in the boat where we don't know that much, we'd like to say maybe we would take the, the gamble on Sean Miller, but we don't know what Heather like and, and Chancellor Gallagher know, so we there's no way for us to, to say that it would be a worthwhile risk because we don't know what's coming down the pike. So if Hurley's not an option, Miller's not an option, I think Musselman was a clear number one. After that, though... Uh, the, the other names, Nate Oates, Mark Schmidt, John Shire, even Earl Grant at Charleston. I think Capel is at worst, even with all of them, it, but probably a little bit better. Um, I, I, I Definitely better than Mark Schmidt. I do really like Nate Oates. I do really like Earl Grant. Um, I would probably be as happy as with those two as I am with Capel. Um, I, I, I think... You know, he does bring a lot. Now, he's not as uh, up-and-coming as someone like Oates or Grant or, or even Musselman because the fact of the matter is that he's flamed out at a major, at a major job before, um, which sort of gives you pause. I mean, the fact that he's had that track record gives you pause. On the other hand, if he never was a head coach, then there'd be a lot of pause because I personally did not want to see Pitt hire someone who hadn't been a head coach. I didn't want to see them hire John Shire. I didn't want to see them hire Micah Shrewsbury because I think it needs to be someone who knows what they're doing and can hit the ground running. So there's sort of that it gives and it takes and that, yes, it's it's great that he was a head coach, but it's bad in that he flamed out at Oklahoma. It did not end well. But, and like I said, if he was coming straight from Oklahoma, I think I would not like this hire. But I think those years at Duke was like five, six years as the assistant. And he was an incredible recruiter, got some of the best guys in the nation. By all accounts, he's very energetic and likable and and connects to these uh, recruits and prospects. And I'm also hoping that being next to Coach K, being back at Duke, like and sort of being humbled after having flamed out at a big job, I'm hoping that that has taught him a lot. Because you think it sort of has to. I mean, a lot of these guys, there's that Coach K pipeline of guys who are assistant coaches under him and then go on to become head coaches. Not all of them are that good. It's not as great of a track record as, as some might think based on how good of a coach um, Shashevsky is. But no one's really had the, the scenario that Capel has had, where he was a head coach before he was an assistant at Duke, it didn't work out, and then he went back. And I think because of that, I'm hoping that he learned a lot, that it's sort of, you know, that he, he's going to learn from his mistakes, that he's going to take what he learned at Duke and take mix that with what he learned being a head coach before and mix it all up. And that could be something really good. And that's why I like the hire. That's why I think it's exciting. Because you wanted someone with head coaching experience, you wanted someone who's sort of young and exciting and can recruit, and Capel is both of those. Uh, and, and I, again, I don't love his tenure at Oklahoma, at least how it ended, and I'm not as impressed as some are with the two great years, one of which he got to the Elite Eight, because I think once you get Blake Griffin, he was just so dominant out of high school that it's that was pretty much just Blake Griffin, but... I, I think you mix just the experience of being a head coach with hopefully what he's learned at Duke and having to, to be humbled and, and learn 
I think that that could be really successful for, and as you said, a, a symbiotic sort of situation for Pitt, a program that was knocked on its butt for the past two years. And so now you're going to see a coach and a program looking to prove themselves after suffering something pretty awful. And I think that's actually a great partnership. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And um, I can certainly understand, you know, as you had said, people kind of getting some pause from his Oklahoma tenure. And one of the things that's kind of crazy is that he's, you know, spent four or five years at VCU, spent, you know, five years at Oklahoma, has spent six years at Duke. He's only 42. You know, he's he's pretty, he's still pretty young. It's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and, you know, I, I was at the, the NCAA tournament games, you know, the first weekend and, you know, got to watch Duke and, and all of that. And he's, he's a pretty involved coach, even as an assistant. And, you know, it's been noted several times that when Coach K, you know, was having, you know, off the court medical problems or surgeries or whatever, that he would tap, you know, Jeff Capel to kind of be the interim coach. So he's gotten a little bit of, you know, that taste of, you know, running, you know, a game himself and that kind of stuff over the years at Duke. Um, I mean, overall, I think, I think it is, it, it is just, I don't think you could have had really that much higher of expectations after Hurley decided to go to UConn. Um, and I'm starting to, you know, especially timeline wise, I, what the, the, probably the funniest part about today was I was probably about 2,500 to 3000 words into a recap of the pit coaching search when this news dropped. And I was yeah, kind of was out of nowhere. I was kind of talking about how we were on day 19 of the search. And, you know, that's the longest coaching search Pitt has had at, at the very least since the 2000, you know, the 2000 started, um, you know, and Pitt has had, uh, unfortunately, a lot of co- coaching searches, you know, this century. Um, so I was kind of, you know, looking at that and then um, looking at the timeline, if if Heather Likes plan was. Dan Hurley's the number one, you know, candidate. Well, she's got to wait for Rhode Island to exit the tournament, and then she's got to wait for him to make a decision. That brings you up to last Thursday, uh, I believe it was, that he officially was going to UConn. And, um, you know, if she she was also looking at guys like Oates or Schmidt, I wouldn't be surprised if she identified somebody like Capel and thought, that might be my next guy, but I'm going to do some other interviews just in case. And, you know, they waited until, thankfully, Duke was kicked out of the tournament. And, you know, on probably yesterday, they kind of finally got down to sit down to do, you know, the more formal interviews, maybe go over some contract details, that kind of thing. And then they had the coach today. So, you know, going from Thursday to getting turned down by Dan Hurley to having your coach by Tuesday, um, I think it makes the timeline look a lot better, Um, especially because Pitt was, you know, got rid of Kevin Stallings, you know, two days after the ACC tournament or whatever it was. So um, initially this whole time, the timeline seemed to be really just way too long. And I think mostly because there was absolutely no news at all coming out. (laughs) Um, You know, it was like blood from a stone, essentially, Um, which is why I think when, you know, that report about Dan Hurley getting offered three million, you know, plus was... Fans were pumped because they, you know, they got kind of almost uh, confirmation that Pitt was willing to to throw some, you know, fists a little bit to try to, you know, get a, a big name coach to come. And, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, him picking UConn over Pitt, but at the 
at the very least, Pitt made a very, you know, attractive offer to, at the at the time, the number one, you know, kind of coaching candidate in, you know, the, the coaching circle, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it seems really long, and it was long, but it, it seems it, the reason it was long is because, one, it started very early. They fired Kevin Stallings right after the ACC tournament ended for Pitt, and Pitt got bounced on the first day of the ACC tournament. So then you had another almost week of conference tournaments and then the NCAA tournaments, and and no coach was going to that you were going to hire wasn't in the NCAA tournament. So you had to, you know, at the very least, you said, what, day 19? So at the very least, it was going to be a like a 10-day a process or something just because yeah. of when you fired Stallings uh, and, and then waiting for the tournament. Then, as you said, they went all out for Hurley, as everyone wanted them to do, and Hurley took a little while to make a decision, we were all expecting it to come Wednesday morning. It ended up coming sort of later on, on Thursday. And by all accounts, and then as you said, it's just a few days. So that, that, that part of it is not bad. I think the timeline is interesting in that I, it doesn't seem like Capel was obvious uh, to them. It, it certainly wasn't obvious to us, but it doesn't seem like it was obvious to them. It seems like after Hurley, they had a list of a couple guys. It was probably Schmidt. It was probably Oates. Uh, and uh, maybe one or two other people. And and Capel might have been somewhere on there, but it didn't seem like that was someone who uh, they reached out to, maybe because it, just his team was still playing or not. And that's the whole other thing. If Duke was still playing, I have no idea if Capel is, is the pit head coach at this point. Because it's not like the NFL playoffs where you can hire a coordinator, but then he finishes out the season. I mean, you can do that, but it just doesn't happen, really. I think Pitt fans would have had a stroke if this search went on any longer. <laughs> I, I just, it it was getting really bad. It just, was, and like, and in only a, in only ways that Pitt fans can really, you know, dive down to certain levels of despair and and kind of self deprecating. It, it got ugly. It definitely yeah. got ugly. And, and that's the thing is that you know if Duke wins that game, if Grayson Allen doesn't play hero ball, and he and they win that game at the end. And Capel's now coaching another week. You know, he's in the Final Four. I don't know. I don't know if Pitt goes and and tries to lure him during those those couple days in between games or if they try to uh, – or if they look to someone else. I, mean, I have no idea. I don't, I don't really know how that works. Like I said, in the NFL, it's very common for assistant coaches to take interviews, to go get jobs, and, and but stay with the team through the end. Uh, hell, it's even a thing with football. Like uh, Pat Narduzzi was hired, I think, before uh, Michigan State's bowl game and Paul Christ with Wisconsin and all that. But that's not really the case in college basketball. So uh, it's interesting, the timeline of this all, because it seems like not only was Capel out of nowhere for us, it, it was a little out of left field for them. It seems like they probably targeted Schmidt, Oates, again, maybe one or two others, uh, and, and they heard that People didn't want Schmidt, and they listened loud and clear, and Oates said that he wanted Hurley money, uh, and they didn't think that was uh, appropriate for the guy who's been the head coach of Buffalo for like three years. And they could get Capel, they thought, if they waited a couple days till he was out of the tournament, and he's not going to cost you as much as you know Hurley would have made or maybe what Oates was asking. And so all in all, I mean, it, it seems like a good hire. You, you didn't. I, we assume, we have no idea what the financials of this are, 
but we assume they didn't break the bank because Capel didn't have the most leverage in the world. It's different than Nate Oates, who a lot of people have been looking at. Not a lot of teams are looking at, at Capel, uh, just I think because they all sort of assumed he was the heir apparent at Duke, that when Krzyzewski retires, he's going to be the guy. That said, Capel apparently uh, turned down Arizona State and Georgia Tech the past few years. So he was out there, but I think he sort of wanted to wait until there was a better opportunity. I think other, t- you know, he wasn't the hottest name in, in coaching candidates. And because of all that, he wasn't in a position to demand the most money. Pitt was in a pretty interesting position where he could stay in the ACC and, and like he's a Steelers fan and the, you know, so, so it works out, uh, for them. And you assume that they didn't have to spend the three plus million that they would have spent for Hurley or maybe Oates. You assume they saved a little bit of money. They could put that money into other parts of the program, uh, and still though, got a guy who is, Again, young, surprisingly young based on his experience. He's been a head coach before. He's been a top assistant. He's recruited incredible players and someone that the fan base really likes. Again, this this is not my first choice. Uh, It it wasn't really anyone's first choice. Everyone's first choice was Hurley. For some fans, as you said, Capel's the next best. For me, I don't even think he's the next best after Hurley. But without a doubt, this is a good hire. Uh, Some people say great, but... You know, no one can say this is a poor hire. No one's jumping off of buildings like they were two years ago when Stallings' name would, came out of nowhere, and then that all of a sudden was the next Pitt head coach. I mean, I I actually might be the most pessimistic of of Pitt media, Pitt fans, and I still think this is a very good hire. I think one of the best observations I saw today was um, uh, Dave Jidleka, who's one of the if if you're a, an older zoo fan, you you would know him as ball headed guy, uh, one of the former vo- uh, zoo presidents. But he made the observation today that um, you know that this hire pretty much seemed to be universally loved by all of the kind of warring factions of pit fandom of you know the the people who felt Jamie Dixon never should have been fired to the people that felt Jamie Dixon should have been fired to the people that felt Stalin's deserved more time, which admittedly was a very minority group, but you know, there was people that certainly felt that way. And it it was kind of weird to see, you know, people that um, I had seen arguing very different viewpoints all of a sudden just kind of, you, you know, united in a, yeah, at the worst, this is a, you know, on paper, a pretty good hire. Now, of course, you know, Jeff Cable could be terrible and it could, absolutely you know crash to the ground in flames but that can happen with any hire um and so i think for everything that pitt had what it had in front of it what it could offer monetarily and just as a program um they made a a pretty good hire and i think most people would say that heather like is very qualified to do her job after uh you know this this coaching search because a lot of people were questioning that within the last couple of days, and I'm glad to see she was vindicated a little bit in that regard. I I agree. I mean, I think some of it is warranted in that just how long the search was taking, part of it out of her control, but it was taking a long time, and also because the last uh, athletic director was horrible at his job. Uh, So I I think part of it was warranted. Part of it was not. I think there were some twinges of of sexism, and, you know, when they said, oh, she's in over her head, and they like... She's she's been an athletic director like she 
She's not in over her head. Like maybe she's bad at her job. Like Scott Barnes was bad at her job. It's not because she's in over her head. Yeah. Um, well, and, and one of one of the cool kind of things is you know yes she is you know uh, female but she's Pitt first is Pitt's first female athletic director and she just hired Pitt's first minority head coach which yes you know some people you know kind of say who cares that's not that shouldn't be a big deal. Um, it is a big deal. There's not very many African-American coaches in college basketball. That's just at least head coaches. And, um, you know, that is something that, you know, people notice and they take note of. Um, and yeah, some people are you know better able to connect uh, with, you know, a black coach or an African-American coach. And, you know, it's, it, it's a good thing and it's worth mentioning. And it's, you know, it, I think it's a cool landmark moment that the first female AD at Pitt hired the first minority coach at Pitt. I uh, completely Minority agree. basketball coach, I should say. Yeah, there was Haywood yeah. <laughs> for football. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. I, I, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier, um, but I, I it slipped my mind this time. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's very cool that people are that first of you know Pitt hired a female ad which there i think are like four of in division one and by all accounts she did a very good job and then she went out and hired uh a a black uh head basketball coach which is something that not many schools have which is particularly nuts when you consider how and this isn't just college this is nba like the the whole thing with, with how uh, much, how many uh, black athletes there are in basketball. I mean, there there are so many players, and yet they don't get these opportunities to be head coaches. I'm glad to see that that Pitt is at least part of the, the larger issue of trying to change that. And then, as you said, connecting. Like, without a doubt, people connect with people who are similar to them, who have similar upbringings to them. And I think that can only help when you have, again you know, a lot of the, the, these recruits are African-American. I think it can only help having someone who might relate to them a little bit better with, which has, by the way, to do with race, but also has to do with age. And that's why people wanted a young head coach because it's someone that could relate. It's why no one liked Kevin Stallings. <laughs> one of reasons that no one liked Kevin Stallings. Yeah, exactly. And one of the, and you were kind of, we were talking about it before of, um, you know, why Jeff Capel may, you know, he was in the running for other jobs, but you know, whether it was his choice or the other school's choices didn't pick that job. Um, uh, Luke DeCock was on The Fan today, and he was talking about how one factor he think that, you know, might have made a difference is Jeff Capel's dad, um, you know, had been diagnosed with ALS two, three years ago, and then recently passed uh, either this year or just this past year, and had been living in North Carolina. So Jeff Capel being at Duke was really beneficial for their family because he could visit his dad often or, you know, could see his dad. Um, but, you know, since his dad passed, he didn't really have that, um, you know, kind of connection holding him to North Carolina anymore. And now kind of could look at, you know, the landscape of college basketball and kind of see, you know, where do I fit well? Where is a place that I would like to live? And as we mentioned, he's, you know, a Steelers fan and, you know, obviously must love you know the city if you know he's been that big of a Steelers fan for that long but that was um, kind of required reading that people have been sending around today is Jeff Capel did a Players Tribune article called The Tree uh, kind of talking about his dad and the diagnosis of you know his dad having ALS and one of the big things he talked about was that his dad was you know 
one of the first black coaches of a, a college basketball program and seeing, you know, his first job, he had to be a JV coach volunteering. You know, he didn't even get paid uh, for his coach first coaching job. And then now, you know, his son, Jeff Capel, you know, was a head coach at VCU, Oklahoma, Duke's, you know, number one assistant. And now he's, a, you know, a coach at Pitt, um, you know, kind of speaks volumes to, you know, how far we've come, at least in that regard. And um, like we've said, it's it's not a huge factor to the hire or, or shouldn't be a determining factor, but it's kind of like one of those, you know, cool things about it that is just ancillary. It's a it's a bonus. Yeah, completely agree. And, and definitely happy that that they got by all accounts, the right guy, and then also you're you're moving forward in that way. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I, I think, I mean, as I mentioned before, I might be one of the more pessimistic voices, and I still think this is a very good hire. So when you take that, like, you're, you're basically in a range of people think this is very good to great. National media people think this is an excellent hire. They love Jeff Capel. Uh, a couple of the players who had requested their release said they're going to stay with the team, uh, Shamil Stevenson and Jared Wilson frame. So by all, I mean, by all accounts, this is uh, a very positive day for Pitt basketball, which is something that hasn't been the case in a uh, good two years plus. And, uh, and so that's something to be celebrated. And, uh, you know, this was totally out of nowhere, but you were able to get a guy who checks off a lot of your boxes and that he's young he is a, a great recruiter. He's had head coaching experience, and he knows the the area, at least the conference area. We don't know how much he knows of of like Pennsylvania, Jersey, Maryland. We'll see. But he's been all over the place for Duke. I mean, he's recruited guys literally all over the country, and uh, and being next to Coach K for the past five six years, that certainly can't hurt. So we're gonna wrap up this uh, this episode of Unscripted. We want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank J D Schroeder for hopping on the podcast uh, so that we can talk about this uh, as quickly as we could. Uh, this will post on uh, Wednesday morning uh, before the press conference, and then we'll see how he does there. But by all accounts, very good hire for Pitt, and things seem to be looking up for Pitt basketball. So, again, thank you to J.D. Schroeder. You can follow him at Twitter at static, S-T-A-7-I-C. Uh, you can also check out all of uh, his his writing on CardiacHill.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back in not too long. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.